Hi, everybody. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, Jr., and welcome to Prophecy Today. Great to have you with us again. And my brother and I, Rick, we examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Rick, there's so much happening in our world today, isn't there? There certainly is, Jimmy. Lots to talk about, lots to be informed about, and we've got a a great group of broadcast partners that help keep our listeners informed. Now, you know, you and I have been taught over the years how to look at world events and to examine them and then to be able to uh, understand where they fit into God's prophetic word. When we look at these uh, and we put these stories up on our website and we ask our broadcast partners these questions, how do you determine, like, What's important as we ask these questions? Well, as our tagline goes, we look at current events in the light of biblical prophecy. So we basically are looking at events on the geopolitical scale and the Middle East news scale and then um, uh, other news trends going on around the world. We look at those events and how they may fit into a coming scenario or a future scenario of Bible prophecy, not predicting Bible prophecy, just realizing that um, many of these events that are taking place around the world today involve nations and entities and peoples that have a role to play in the end times. They sure do. They sure do. Well, we're excited about today's program. Of course, we have Ken Timmerman, David Dolan, Dr. Richard Schmidt will be a part of the program, R.C. Murrell talking from a financial point of view, what's happening with the, the supply chain in America and around the world. And then, of course, Sharam Hadian will be with us talking about the Great Reset in the Middle East, something much different than what we've ever talked about. And I'm looking forward to talking with Sharam about that. But uh, as always, our first go-to guy would be Ken Timmerman. Ken Timmerman with us. He's our regularly scheduled expert on geopolitical world affairs. Ken, as always, thanks for joining us today. Rick, it's a great pleasure to be with you. Thank you. You informed us last week about the attempted coup that was taking place in Kazakhstan. What's the update there? Well, now, this was a real insurrection. Remember, this was uh, armed people on the streets, uh, barricades uh, set on fire, uh, Molotov cocktails, uh, the whole works. And ultimately, the president of Kazakhstan, Tokarev, invited the Russians to come in. They sent uh, two to three thousand riot troops in and essentially quelled the insurrection. It looks now like it's pretty much over, but over because of extreme violence. There are reportedly over 150 dead in the streets of Kazakhstan. The Russians don't care, particularly when they slaughter people. They have a history of doing this, uh, the Russian troops and, uh, and, and leaders such as Putin. And uh, that's it. There's even talk now that the era of color revolutions is over. I think that's a bit optimistic, but uh, that is at least what it seems to be on the ground today in Kazakhstan. Well, the situation in Kazakhstan is maybe over, but just looking at Russia's situation, and they've been in talks with people in uh, Geneva this week, and, and their situation with NATO is still very much in play. In fact, Poland is saying among NATO members that Europe is at the greatest risk of war in the last 30 years. Well, it's interesting to hear the Poles say this. They are on the front lines with Russia, and uh, the Russians were not happy when Poland joined NATO all those years ago, and they've been trying to roll it back ever since. That was one of their demands for these talks in Geneva on Monday and Tuesday. Talks, which, by the way, were a complete disaster, a complete disaster. They broke down Wendy Sherman, the deputy secretary of state, 
who has uh, failed in just about everything that she's done from the Iran deal in 2015 up to the uh, Benghazi before that, and now these talks with Russia. The talks completely failed. Uh, the Russians essentially stormed out and went on their media saying that the U.S. Uh, was making unacceptable threats to Russia that they will have to counter and that the Russians were not going to back down. Then you had the NATO Secretary General Stoltenberg responding to reporters who asked about the possibility of a military conflict in Europe. And he said, yes, that is possible today. That's what the talks were all about. They we're trying to forestall it. But yes, that is possible today. Well, the talks were a failure. And the uh, Polish uh, prime minister was right to talk about the possibility of war on the European continent for the first time since the end of the Bosnian conflict in 1995. Well, Russia is still posturing and threatening to go to war in the Ukraine. How is that imminent in your opinion? Or do you think it could still be forestalled? I don't think Putin intends to go to war. I think Putin would like to go right up to the brink, uh, right up to the limit, and then declare victory and maintain enough troops to keep pressure on the Ukrainian government. Look, uh, but I don't think he wants to go to war because he does not need to. He does not need a military victory in Ukraine. What he needs is to humiliate NATO, which he has done, and to drive up the price of oil over $80. Uh, when you get right down to it, Rick, this is all about the oil. Oil at $80 a barrel, it is a wonderful gift to Russia. Their debts are paid. Putin can pay down the debts. He can pay down the money he's borrowed to build up the military over the past 15 years. He can pay down the debt on the nuclear weapons, the new generation of nuclear weapons that he's built over the past 10 years. Uh, this is great for Russia, $80 oil. The tensions help Russia to thrive. Now, the other thing that helps Russia to thrive is U.S. policy. Remember, when Biden took office on January 20th, one of the very first things he did was to lift sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline from Russia to Germany. Why is that important? Because when that pipeline is starting to deliver Russian gas directly to Germany, which it will do in a couple of weeks from now, Russia no longer needs to ship gas to Western Europe through Ukraine. The Ukraine, until now, has had veto power over Russian gas exports to Western Europe. Thanks to the Biden policies, that pressure, that leverage is now gone. So Russia is winning in the oil and gas markets. And when they win in the oil and gas markets, they win everywhere because they are able to eliminate their debt, bring prosperity to ordinary Russian citizens, and essentially guarantee Putin's popularity in Russia. Well, Russia is intent on gaining more prestige in the world, and you look at what's going on, and so is China as well, and they're competing now in the Middle East, so we move away from Europe, and we start to look at Russia and China, and lots of diplomatic talks going on between them and the Gulf state countries, Iran, and we're looking at Saudi Arabia as well. Well, that's right. They're, they're both having talks with uh, the Iranians. Uh, China has signed a 25-year oil and gas. Remember, this is all about the oil. They signed a 25-year agreement last year with Iran uh, for guaranteed oil and gas supplies, something that China cares a lot about, securing those supplies because they don't have uh, a lot of oil and gas themselves. And the Russians are also now in talks. They're going to meet uh, the Iranian president next week. 
uh, he's going to Russia to talk about it, about a 20 year oil and gas agreement with Russia as well. So this is a way where Iran is is able to uh, slip the noose of U.S. and international sanctions and Russia and China are able to build up Iran as a an ongoing threat to the United States, an ongoing means to weaken our power to create turmoil in the Persian Gulf, which they believe benefits them strategically. The stronger Iran becomes, the Islamic State, the Islamic State of Iran becomes, the greater a challenge it will provide to the United States and to America's allies. Well, my final question, Ken, uh, there have been talks in the news about a great reset in the Middle East, and it talks about regional rivals and foes are working to mend ties and restore relationships. Is this something you're seeing? Is this true? <laughs> well, I've seen some of those reports, Rick, and what they're talking about uh, is uh, the fact that the Iranians are talking to the Saudis. Yeah, the Iranians are talking to the Saudis. They've been doing that for months now. They are trying to prevent an all-out shooting war. Remember, Iran and Saudi Arabia are locked into a proxy conflict in Yemen, where the Saudis are supporting the the Yemeni government and the Iranians are supporting the Houthi rebels. Mm. And the Iranians are doing pretty darn well in that conflict. They just recently seized an oil tanker from the United Arab Emirates as it was approaching the Bab al-Mandeb, which is the entry into the Red Sea and up to the uh, Suez Canal. Uh, if the Iranians can control that 16-mile-wide bottleneck waterway into the Suez Canal, they can choke off about four to five million barrels a day of oil exports. Remember, this is all about the oil. <laughs> Get that? That's my message this week. It's all <laughs> about the oil. Now, the Iranians are working very, very hard to keep the prices up along with Russia, and they're working very hard to uh, choke off where they can oil exports from Gulf uh, Arab states, such as the UAE. Now, the other thing that happened this week, which has led some to say, oh, well, yeah, look, things are getting much better. There was a GCC summit. That's the Gulf Cooperation Council, the six Arab Gulf countries. Well, this is a ho-hum affair. I've been to these conferences in the, in, in the past, to these summit meetings. Uh, they're all ritual kabuki dances. Their final communique is, oh, well, we regret the death of so-and-so and the death of this one and the death of that one. They had, I think they had four deaths this past month. You know, the leaders of Kuwait, the emir of Kuwait, the sultan Qaboos of Oman, uh, the Khalifa in Bahrain, and at least those three. So this is, they are a dysfunctional family. They have been fighting amongst themselves, the Qataris and the Saudis, for several years now. Uh, and again, for them to get together and shake hands and to kiss each other on the cheek uh, or to bang elbows together, I'm not sure which one they did this week, but uh, you know, to, to make nice in public is really just uh, a dance. You have to look at what's going on beneath the surface, and beneath the surface, it's all about the oil, and the Iranians are winning that battle. Well, Ken, we count on you to look beneath the surface. You've got such a wide range of expertise, and you bring such great insights. So thank you for doing that, and we look forward to having you do it again. Thanks so much, Rick. It's always a pleasure. Great interview, Rick, with Ken Timmerman. And we're going to talk to Sharam Hadian in the next half hour about this, about the Great Reset in the Middle East, and really what is happening. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today Weekend.
I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. Chaos engulfed the new parliament of Iraq on January 9. A Shia faction of the government rejects the results of last year's election. During the session, they claimed they had seats to pick the next prime minister. Shouting and even fistfights broke out. Yet, Samuel with Redemptive Stories says the absence of a functioning government hasn't stopped the gospel. In fact, many people have connected with local churches over social media. Ask God to work powerfully throughout the country. And it's worth it. That's what a Middle Eastern Christian told Pastor Breck Ladd during an E3 Partners mission trip. He met with several pastors and even had to be protected by a large security force during the event. Yet Ladd watched these pastors sing with utter joy in their hearts. He says going on trips like this challenges Western Christians to focus on Jesus. You too can join an E3 Partners mission trip and encourage isolated believers. Mission Network News, a service of One Way Ministries, I'm Ruth Kramer. In today's world, a biblical worldview and a proper understanding of biblical prophecy should be a priority. At a time when many false doctrines are entering the church at a frightening pace, we must be able to rightly divide God's Word in order to live a pure and productive life for Him. If you would like an in-depth understanding of biblical prophecy, let me challenge you to consider Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's School of Prophets. The School of Prophets is an online study for the layman or student pursuing a master's or doctorate degree. Dr. DeYoung's online study program will allow you to develop a timeline of biblical prophecies of the past, as well as future prophecies yet to be fulfilled. Your personal study of God's Word will only be enhanced by Dr. DeYoung's School of Prophets, and your life will be changed as you better understand, like Daniel, where you fit into God's calendar of events. If you're interested in developing a deeper understanding of God's prophetic Word, let me personally invite you to become involved in Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's School of Prophets. Call today at 8-PROPHECY-8. That's 877-674-3298. Or visit us at schoolofprophets.org. And we're back here on Prophecy Today Radio with our Middle East News Update, a segment we do every week. And we are typically joined by our good friend and journalist, Dave Dolan. Dave, thanks for joining us today. I'm glad to be with you, Rick. Well, we have several reports from Israel that I'd like to get your thoughts on. Prime Minister Bennett says that their military is undergoing the largest rearmament in years. And essentially, this is a nod towards the threat that comes from Tehran and Iran. Is that correct? Yes. In fact, he announced earlier that uh, several months ago that the defense budget in Israel would be increased to over $19 billion, quite a bit more than it had been the year before and the year before that. And when he made that announcement and he repeated it this week, he was uh, testifying before the Knesset to Foreign and Defense Committee, uh, Naftali Bennett was, and he said that uh, Netanyahu, his predecessor, had uh, let the military in a tailspin. He said it was severely damaged because of a lack of funding and lack of planning. Uh, whether that's true or not, I wouldn't know for sure. But I have heard that criticism from some of my uh, Israeli friends that are in the military or leaders of the military, uh, that they needed more money in particular to prepare for a possible full war with Iran. As we've talked about many times, the evidence is growing that that may be very close on the horizon. So he said, we're going to beef up everything, the Navy, the Air Force, ground forces, and we're going to just revamp everything and spend more money on that. So that's what's happening. And he seems to have the support of a majority in the Knesset to do that. 
Well, we do know that there is a threat to Israel from Iran, and one of the ways Israel has countered that threat is through covert operations, basically spy operations in Iran that have been actually very successful um, in, in, in destroying some facilities. Now it seems like turnabout is fair play. It looks like they have unearthed some Iranian spies in Israel. How has that come about, and can you tell us about that a little bit? Well, this uh, emerged early this week when the Shin Bet, the Israeli security service, internal security service, revealed that five Israelis of Iranian descent and all of them speaking as their first language, Farsi, the Iranian language, older Israelis in their 40s and 50s, four of them women and one the husband of one of the women, had been arrested and charged with participating in a spy network. They were recruited, the Shimbet said, by a Iranian who claimed to be Jewish and was speaking to them by telephone and over the internet. Uh, several of the women did meet him, but he was uh, suspected, most of them suspected he was some sort of a spy because he was offering them money and in fact, the Shimbet said did pay all of them money to take pictures of strategic sites in Israel, the U.S. Embassy in Tel Aviv and the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem and several government buildings in Jerusalem and some malls. And there was other activities. One woman was asked to form a club of ex-Iranians in her area and then send pictures and information about the people there. Apparently, he was trying to recruit more spies for this network. And the Shimbet said they cracked it. It's been going on for several years. The women, again, all said, well, we were just friendly with this man. And it, mostly it was just conversations about Iran and what's happening in the country and that sort of thing. And then after we became friends, he asked us to do some of these things. And again, they said they suspected he was a spy but they um, still went along with it, apparently. Uh, the prime minister said it's important for all Israelis of Iranian descent to be careful who they talk to on the Internet and on the phone, to keep in mind that Iran is basically at war with Israel and will be doing these sorts of things, trying to get information and trying to form spy rings. Well, I'm sure they are ever vigilant against that threat. The final story that I wanted to get your thoughts on, and this one is really quite interesting from a lot of different angles. There is some tree planting taking place in the Negev Desert in southern Israel, and they have sparked protests, riots, and actually even a government coalition crisis. Yes, Rick, this uh, situation is very, very explosive. It does have the potential to bring down uh, Naftali Bennett's uh, coalition government. Uh, the Ra'am party, the Arab party that's a part of the coalition, won a lot of its votes in the last election in March from the southern Negev desert from Bedouin Arabs. Now, Bedouins traditionally were living in tents, traveling as nomads throughout the Middle East and North Africa, mostly from Saudi Arabia originally, but there's still over a million of them living in Egypt, in Jordan, in uh, Morocco. But in Israel, there's about 30,000 of them. They're Israeli citizens, and many of them serve in the military and in the border police. They're excellent trackers, given their background. They are generally pro-Israel, but they like to move around. They still do. Uh, and you 
can't in a modern society, and this is true in Jordan and Egypt as well, you can't just pick up your tent and go anywhere you want and put it down and say that's your home. Well, we have homelessness in America too, I guess, but this is a different thing. They put the tent up and claim the area. Well, the government has been since 1948, the various governments have been trying to relocate them into actual towns and housing, and about uh, two-thirds of them are now living in such towns, but about a third are still in their tents and moving around. And yes, the Jewish National Fund went down to plant some trees, which they do all over the country. Reforestation has been a major project. They've planted tens of millions of trees over the years. And on Sunday of last week, they started planting these trees uh, in a, a certain part of the Negev that an Arab family claimed was their land, even though it was open land, nothing was on it. And that started some protests. Those turned into riots, turned into severe riots. Uh, helicopters, Israeli helicopters were involved, spraying mace. There was uh, stun grenades. Uh, there were rocks thrown by the Bedouin youth, in particular, at the security forces. It turned into a real riot. And uh, several were arrested. Several were hurt. And the Palestinian Authority issued a real strong statement condemning the, quote, heinous crimes committed by the occupation state against the Palestinian Arabs of the Negev and their lands and properties. So uh, Ra'an's uh, leader, uh, Abbas, uh, Mansur Abbas, uh, roundly condemned the Israeli government's actions, even though he's part of the government. And this tree planting, he said, it's like I'm being shot in the heart and I uh, can't continue in the government if this goes on. So negotiations have been happening, and so far the government has held together, but it just shows once again how tenuous this left-right coalition is, and it just takes one party to leave it, and the whole thing will fall apart because they only have a one-seat majority in the Knesset, and that's with the Arab Ra'am party uh, participating. So we'll see where this goes, Rick, but it uh, definitely is a big headache for the Prime Minister Bennett and may spell the end of his government. And we'll have to see if we go to new elections or what happens, if Netanyahu's still around or not. All of these are questions. And, of course, if these riots, if these riots continue and escalate and go into Israeli Arab cities in the north and center of the country, like last May during the Gaza War, it would be a very bad situation indeed. Well, it certainly would, and we'll keep our eye on that. It just seems so interesting that such a seemingly simple act of planting a tree could actually threaten to bring down the government. Well, they say that the planting of the trees is basically the Israelis' government saying, this is our land. And, of course, they do consider it state land. Uh, the Arabs have no ownership papers, no proof that they've uh, been there, and the Bedouins. And as I say, they tend to move around and just sort of settle wherever they want. So um, that's the clash that's been going on for many years. The tree planting set it off, but that's not the real issue. It's who owns the land. Well, Dave, that is a very interesting situation for sure. I guess uh, you lived in Israel for many, many years. Ever since the return of the Jews to the land in, in 48 and even before that with the Zionist movement, it has always been kind of essential and integral to the Jews returning to the land that they plant trees and that they uh, bring back and make the land bloom again. Is that correct? 
Well, Rick, the Turks that controlled the land until 1917, the end of World War One, they had a tax on trees. If you had trees in your yard, on your property, you paid a certain tax for them. So most people had cut down their trees. So the country was pretty denuded. The area was pretty denuded of trees when the Jewish state uh, reappeared in 1948. And as you say, that's been a major project of the Jewish National Fund to plant forests throughout the country. There are some beautiful forests around Jerusalem and throughout the north. And now they're trying to plant in the Negev, in the southern desert area. And uh, yes, this is something strongly backed by Bennett's party, the right-wing Yamina party, by the Likud party, and by most Israelis back it. But um, again, it's an issue of who owns the land and who has the right to plant on it and do these sorts of things, and that goes to the whole heart of the Arab-Israeli conflict. Well, Dave, we love your unique insight, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. I'm glad to do it, Rick. God bless. We've got Dr. Rich Schmidt, R.C. Merle, and Shram Hadian coming up in the next half hour, so don't go anywhere here on Prophecy Today Weekend. Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible Prophecy Student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore, or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, Jr., and along with my brother Rick, we have been examining current events in light of God's prophetic word. And we do that on a weekly basis because we are very concerned uh, about the world in which we live in, having a prophetic biblical worldview to to help us to understand why the world is acting as it is. And on today's program, we have a very special uh, friend of ours that's been on here before, Dr. Richard Schmidt. Welcome to the program, Dr. Schmidt. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's a privilege, as always, to be able to spend a few minutes with you. Dr. Schmidt, I sent you an article, and I know that you're an expert on this, and you have a pastor's heart also. But being a former sheriff, you know this article that I sent you, A Year of Living Dangerously in American Cities. And I put this up on our website because there are a lot of questions and people are watching what's happening in our major cities in in America um, and they're falling apart. So I, I thought there's nobody better to go to than you. So I wanted to ask you this question. Looking at this, you've read this. Uh, in the old days, criminals understood that if they were caught, they there would be consequences. Why are many cities in urban America letting criminals go without any consequences? Well, unfortunately, uh, Dr. DeYoung, what we've been seeing over the last generation is a major, major trend away from uh, conservative law enforcement type values to 
a very uh, a divided country over alleged victims' rights uh, versus criminal rights. And we've watched as victim rights have been basically pushed away, and now there's this massive move that's been taking place for the past generation to try and basically say, well, criminals are a basically they're looking at their past as what's forming their future. In other words, the environment has forced them to go into criminal behavior. This is a very unfortunate thing. It basically, though, it does line up with uh, with the Bible, which we can talk about in a moment. But everything is now moving towards rehabilitating criminals, mm. going to social programs instead of accountability. All of these factors right now are leading to an absolute chaos in our major cities. The murder rates have been off the charts, as you mentioned. We just uh, had our statistics come out in uh, the Milwaukee County area, 197 homicides in Milwaukee, the highest record uh, ever to have happened in our state. So we're seeing this here. We're seeing it in 16 other major cities across the country where the murder rates are just off the charts. Why? If there's no accountability, if people can get away literally with murder, then they will. And that's unfortunately exactly where we see our country headed at this point. Hmm. Has the crime rate been reduced in America based on rehabilitation? Well, absolutely not. What we're seeing is, and uh, we'll use the big fancy words from, uh, if you will, law (laughs) enforcement, the recidivism rate, which basically Hmm. means repeat offenders. How many times are people ending up back in jail? And we're not seeing a reduction in that. In fact, we're seeing uh, uh, people are being arrested 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 times and more. They get into the system. The system bounces them right back to the street, and they go right back to their criminal behavior. And that is currently what we're, we're just seeing a massive epidemic of this type of behavior from district attorneys, from police chiefs, from sheriffs across many of the urban populations in our country. But why do you think, and we've all been watching uh, what's happening, and we watch the news on a daily basis, most people will go to their local or what they they consider to be a reliable news source. But as we watch this, why do you think the crime rate and, and the murder rate in Chicago and Milwaukee spiked last year? Well, it's and it, it all boils down to, and uh, we really don't like to use this word, but it boils down to politics. Mm. It boils down to, and, and I can just go to Milwaukee right now, the Milwaukee district attorney who's been in office for many, many years, still a fairly young guy, but he just keeps getting in on a post. And what happened, and many folks across the country, even across the world, are familiar with what happened at the Waukesha parade incident yes. where mm. an individual was let out after literally trying to kill uh, his uh, significant other, if you will, and they let him out on a very low bail, and the next day, literally, he's out, kills multiple people by driving through a crowd, hurting dozens and dozens of other people. And he's really, and, and I guess the, the liberal media even had enough of this, because all across Milwaukee area right now, they're calling for his resignation, which, of course, uh, the governor won't do. Uh, but this is the type of thing. Letting people out, deferred prosecution, meaning that literally if somebody does something wrong, you say, well, we're not going to really take you to court, but if you do it again, we probably will. That's deferred prosecution. 
no prosecution, no charging. In other words, the police go out, they work day and night, they bring these offenders mm-hmm. into jail, and then they go before a commissioner or the district attorney and bounce them right out of jail and say, well, you know, give them another chance. Well, that's why we have the horrific crime rate that we have. That's why the murder rates are off the chart across the country. When you don't have people that follow the rule of law and hold people accountable for their actions, this is what takes place. And the only way that the only real rehabilitation that works is to uh, to realize that you need a savior. That Jesus Christ died for your sins through the and through His shed blood. That's the only way any one of us can be rehabilitated from our sinful nature. Correct? Well, absolutely. Uh, I've I've made it very well known through our church work to those that work uh, out of the churches and the county jails and the prisons. Government never changed the heart. Only God can do that. And God has called us, uh, those of us who are Christians, have trusted Christ as our personal Savior. It's only through getting the gospel to uh, those that have gone to the criminal side of the world. The only way their hearts will ever be changed is through understanding their sinners, Romans 3.23, that they're lost, Romans 6.23, to a penalty of eternal damnation, if you will, but that Jesus Christ, God's Son, loved them, came down from heaven, died for them, and gave his life for them. And if they'll place their faith and trust in him, their life can be changed. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Amen. Amen. Well, you know this, and those that are listening, maybe this is your first time. We do examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. And Rich, not only are you a a pastor, former sheriff of Milwaukee, but you are a prophecy teacher also. And the reason I picked this story is because I do think that there is a prophetic aspect to what's happening in our world today. Do you see any prophetic nexus with the increase in crime, murder, uh, suicide, and lawlessness right now? Well, absolutely. The Bible speaks that these things would be taking place. It starts out addressing what we're seeing immediately right now as uh, we approach uh, the great event known as the rapture when God will remove uh, the saints from this world. First Timothy chapter 4 talks about that men's consciences, they'll be basically turned towards Satan. They'll refuse to obey biblical truth in their conscience. Uh, as the King James Version puts it, their conscience will literally be seared. We're seeing that all over the country. Mm. We look at uh, Matthew chapter 24, which talks about the future tribulation period, and specifically verses 9 to 12. It tells us that Uh, basically people will totally disavow Christ. They'll betray one another. They'll hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up. And I love Matthew 24, 12. It says, lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. Now that's speaking of the tribulation period, which will happen immediately after Christians, if you will, dead and alive, will be raptured and given their glorified bodies. But we're seeing, as and I loved how your dad put it, it's setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be mm-hmm. fulfilled. Lawlessness is abounding. We're seeing it on the news every single day. Mm. Really is. Well, what do you, as the former sheriff of Milwaukee County and now a pastor, see as the only potential hope for America? Well, the only hope for America and the only hope for the uh, uh, any country, the only hope for the world, mm. is when people will turn to Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus said, John fourteen six. many people know this verse, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. No one can come unto the Father but by me. Government, and again, I love this saying, government never changed one heart. Only Jesus Christ can change the heart. And the only way for America to be changed, the only way for our country to be changed, is when people will turn to Christ, turn away from their wicked ways, and follow the Lord Jesus Wow, that's a great, that's the only way, and we, you presented it so eloquently, but it's only because you know God's Word that you presented that. I mean, this is not something that you came up with on your own. Uh, man has tried to come up with different ways to explain this, how this happens, but it's only through the love of God that uh, any of this can be accomplished. Well, we're, we're so thankful that you're there. Uh, thank you for being a friend, and thank you for carrying on um, the message of, of teaching uh, as a pastor in, in, in this world today, which people are definitely searching uh, as to why the world is acting as it is, what's happening in this world. <laughs> we were on, uh, it, it seemed like, you know, we were just on a normal uh, trajectory to keep living life as normal, but 2020, things changed, and, you know, it just looks like our city's are getting worse and worse by the day. Uh, anything that you want to leave with us, something that's probably maybe on your heart as as uh, something that you're teaching right now as far as uh, our world not getting better? Well, here's here's the maybe our final comment here is, number one, the good news out of all the uh, chaos that's taking place across the country and even around the world is that as Second Timothy chapter three verses one to five has stated, these things will happen right before Christ mm. comes. Perilous times Amen. will come. Yep. Men will be haters. They'll be unloving. And this is exactly saying, listen, Christian, it's time for us to rise up like never before. The signs, if you will, and there doesn't even need many any signs for Christ to come. But we're seeing the stage being set with the lawlessness that's abounding. God made it very clear in Second Timothy that when you see these things, you better be looking up because uh, Jesus is coming back at any moment. So the bottom line for us as God's people is be faithful, be out there telling folks the greatest news ever given to mankind, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Nothing else will change the heart. It's the only hope we have for America, for our country, for our individual cities, and for our relatives and friends. Dr. Schmidt, thank you as always. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on with us today. Give us the uh, your website address. Well, our easiest one to uh, go to at, uh, is for Unigro Baptist Church is MY, and then the acronym for Unigro Baptist Church, UGBC. So it's myugbc.com. And they could go there. They could see. They could watch the videos that you do as you're teaching. Thank you. We'll talk to you again next time. Thanks, Doc. Dr. Rich Schmidt, you know, uh, he always uh, gives us a straight answer, uh, being a former sheriff of Milwaukee County and a pastor now, he gives us a straight answer as to why and what's happening in our cities, uh, you know, and, and the lawlessness that's taking place. Well, one of the guys that is our go-to standard for uh, financial aspect of what's taking place in the future is our friend, R.C. Merle. R.C., welcome to the program today. Thank you, Jimmy. Good to be with you. Yes. Hey, before we get started, give us your website real quick. It's prophecytracker.org. Prophecytracker.org. 
and the reason that I have you on today, man, the world is going crazy. Uh, we're going to get to a little bit about the Supreme Court that just a uh, decision that took place on Friday. But before we get to that, there, you know, we are watching what's taking place not only in America but worldwide. RC and and I know you do this uh, when people go to your website, they will see how you're keeping an eye and you have a prophetic worldview, a prophetic biblical worldview as you keep an eye on things. But there's a lot of talk of a supply chain crisis in the headlines lately. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg has been blamed for taking a three-month childcare leave as hundreds of container ships got backed up off the coast of California, unable to offload cargo. Is Pete to blame, or is there more going on in this situation? Yeah, Jimmy, uh, Pete Buttigieg is quite proud of himself, saying the other day that uh, because of the government's efforts, Christmas was saved. What Pete avoided to mention is that shelves are becoming empty in stores all over the country. Leftist politicians uh, like Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti further hailed Buttigieg as the man who saved Christmas, while CNBC reported the supply chain crisis had severely impacted the top grocery chains like Albertsons, Kroger, and Walmart, who are falling below stock value. Now, keep in mind what happens in the U.S. affects what happens in the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. The U.S. is still the world's largest economy. And if the supply chain crashes here, the rest of the world will follow. Economist Jim Rickards said it this way. If globalization were a living body, then the supply chain represents the cardiovascular system or blood flow needed to transport goods and services between global destinations. When globalization suffers a heart attack, like the collapse of the supply chain, globalization will fall to the ground like a brick and die. A lot of your words come back to my mind about what we have already talked about so far. You gave pretty strong words, Ron. But isn't globalization an evil that could lead to the prophesied final government of the Antichrist? You know, that would be the case if globalization weren't intentionally being murdered, as Rickard says. The Great Reset is preparing to rise out of the ashes with an economy run by elites like Klaus Schwab. Jimmy, supply chain shortages can't be fixed quickly. Take the semiconductor shortage. New cars are now selling above the sticker price. Used cars are selling at premiums never seen before thanks to the global shortage of semiconductor chips. Now, while it sounds simple to say it's time for the U.S. to build plants to make our own semiconductors, the problem with that is that it takes three to five years to build out the plant. In the meantime, everything from automobiles to baby food will see price rises that are beginning to look like hyperinflation. Mm. Is the Biden administration providing any solutions to the shortage? Yeah, there are impediments to the supply chain recovery that are not directly related to uh, particular supply chains, but nevertheless hurt the pr process of recovery. This is where the Biden administration has tried to make matters worse. One of the most complex problems is the labor shortage that is not caused by a lack of workers. Government benefits are rewarding people to stay home. And even with the Supreme Court's Thursday ruling that halted enforcement of mandatory vaccines and testing with, for companies with 100 or more employees, the court permitted the mandate on health care employees, which are estimated at 20 million workers. Now, it remains to be seen how many of those health care workers are already vaccinated and how many are refusing. Wow. How does China fit into all this? 
You know, Bloomberg News reported this week that lockdowns in China due to its COVID zero policy are starting to hit supply chains in the region. As a result of the slow movement of goods through some of the country's busiest and most important ports, shippers are now diverting to Shanghai, causing delays at the world's biggest container port. In addition, a record number of container ships are waiting off the coast of California that haven't been cleared as of this day. Freight forwarders are warning of the impact on already backlogged gateways in Europe and the U.S. And this is why HSBC economists are warning that the world economy could be headed for the mother of all supply chain shocks if the highly infectious Omicron variant spreads across Asia, especially China, at which point disruptions to manufacturing will be inevitable. Jimmy, the mother of supply chain shocks could slip the global economy into recession. Wow. So in your opinion, is the government intentionally sabotaging the supply chain? You know, it, it, it appears to me this government is so caught up in destructive ideologies that it's incapable of solving even elementary economic problems. Mm. In short, if economists like Jim Rickards is right about the Great Reset and global elites taking over the economy, the final dictator of Revelation 6, 1 and 2 cannot be far off. Wow, wow. Ryan, uh, thank you so much. I, I know, you know, we all watch this and sometimes we don't understand what or why things are happening. Thank yeah. the Lord that we have God's word that does give us information as to why the world is acting as it is. And uh, we thank you for being able to help us see through some of this. Some of it, most of it is political. We do know that God uses world leaders to accomplish his will, and we are moving quickly and at a quick pace towards the rapture of the church. In fact, I believe it could happen even before the program is done today. R.C. Morrow, thank you so much. Again, that website is prophecytracker.org. We hope that you'll go there and check out all the other articles that he keeps his eyes on, and we uh, we do thank you for joining with us today. Thank you for having me, Jimmy. It was great to be with you. God bless. R.C. Merle, prophecytracker.org, and that's his website where we, you can go to find out all the latest information financially, and I do think it's important that this supply chain thing is really setting up for a future one-world government that will come into being. Right now on the radio, a good friend of ours, Shram Hadian. Uh, Shram uh, is a great, great brother in Christ. Shram, welcome to the program. Jimmy, thanks for having me on again. It's always uh, it's always an honor. Uh, thank you, sir. And, and uh, man, I, I, you've got so much information. It, now, give us your website real quick. The website is uh, TILproject.com. The TIL stands for truth in love, mm. then the word project.com, and that's what we're focused on. We're going to speak the truth in love. Yeah, I think that's very important, and folks, I would go there, uh, follow what Sharam does. Sharam, quickly, give us your testimony for maybe new listeners that are listening to us. Well, uh, I'm originally from Iran, born mm-hmm. there, born into a Muslim family. Uh, just over almost 23 years ago now, the you know Lord Jesus Christ got a hold of my life here in the States after we had left Iran, you know, we fled there right just before the, the, uh, the coup of 1979. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Lord later in life got a hold of my, of my, of my heart, brought me into the kingdom. I've uh, been following the Lord Jesus Christ for the last 23 years, leaving Islam, uh, becoming, uh, what is, you know, referred to as an apostate. But so a lot of our ministry, of course, deals with what's going on in the Muslim world, deals with, uh, evangelism to Muslims, but also exposing Islam, exposing the spiritual dangers of false ideologies and what we see happening today 
particularly with this movement towards a one, you know, you mentioned one world government as well, the one world coming religion. Mm -hmm. That's what we're also seeing and we're warning about. Yes, you have talked to us many times, and I, I know that I just wanted those to hear your testimony because you have a very good understanding of the Islamic world, and we're going to be talking about the Mideast reset. Now, one of the great accomplishments that Donald, President Donald Trump did was the Abrahamic Accords, and just recently a bipartisan group of U.S. lawmakers launched a new caucus this last week promoting and supporting the Abrahamic Accords, a, a set of normalization agreements between uh, Israel that uh, has signed with its Arab neighbors. And in just one year, the Abrahamic Accords have already transformed the Middle East by contributing to regional peace and stability, promoting U.S. interest and enhancing Israeli security. Now, I know that this is what's being talked about. There is another article that, that we have put on our website that I sent to you, Sharam, about making sense of the Middle East Great Reset, that this normalization that Arabs that the Arab countries have signed with Israel is not really a progress towards peace, but it's uh, it's really just putting on hold what their agenda has been all along, which is to wipe Israel off the face of the map. How do you make sense of this? Well, I, I agree with that last statement, Jimmy. I think that that's exactly what it is. Uh, really, what we're witnessing is a uh, simply just uh, you know sort of a freeze, uh, put it, putting things on hold, mm -hmm. and that is ultimately, as I've taught for many years. Within Islam, within the Middle East, within the ideology, um, there's, of course, a deep-seated hatred for Israel, for the Jewish people, because of what the, the, the text teaches, not just from an individual Muslim. Mm -hmm. So what you're seeing geopolitically, first of all, the, the article is very interesting because it, it, it proves part of the freeze is because you see now the major influence of China and Russia within the region. The, the Abraham Accords, while they have temporarily brought that normalization. There's two things that I want to quickly point out. One is that Saudi uh, and Turkey have not come on board. Mm. So let's not forget that there's a difference between the Arabs that come from Saudi and Oman and Qatar and, and UAE. Mm -hmm. These are what I refer to biblically as the Keturah Arabs, not the descendants of Ishmael that you see uh, in places like Jordan and Syria and, and, and further, further west. So I think there's a, a lining that's very interesting. Part of that, I think, is, is fulfilling prophecy where you're seeing this shift. But let's not forget Saudi Arabia and Turkey. They're, they're two key players within Islam, particularly Turkey now. They are not aboard. They have not normalized relationship with Israel in the Arab Accords. Number two, the Arab Accords spiritually are, are convoluted, spiritually, not politically, because they promote interfaith. They promote the three great Abrahamic religions, which, of course, we know Islam is not an Abrahamic religion. It is not the same God as the God of the Jews, the God of Christians. So mm. those things convoluted a little bit. But politically, yes, it has brought a freeze. But I think at the end of the day, you're still seeing um, the globalist, the, 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 the uh, Revelation 13, one world government, one world economy, one world religion coming together. And you're, you're seeing that Islam, I think, is going to lose some of its power because the global shift, the Great Reset globally, Jimmy, is going to bring about uh, the, the preparation for uh, the global leader 
who's going to come on the scene. Ultimately, we know that's going to be Antichrist eventually. Mm. So, so in one sense, I think that the Islamic nations are losing some of their power, but yet they're aligned with the globalists, they're aligned with China, they're aligned with Russia, they're aligned with within the elements of the United Nations. They've gone lockstep. Uh, that term, of course, comes from Agenda 21, 2030, lockstep mm. with the globalist agenda during COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ultimately, it, it will shift power to those nations that are going to come against Israel. So yeah. I think we're right on track for what Bible prophecy has predicted. And I think that you have to look past the normalization with Israel to understand that spiritually, they still hate what God loves. Yes. And that is the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. Yes. And when you look at Psalm 83, when the, those nations that are listed there that come out of a council meeting and they decide to wipe Israel off the face of the map. Uh, I think that's what we're seeing these days. Uh, Sharam, thank you so much. I knew your background and as you have been all these years working and teaching truth, uh, not only in Christianity to the Christian world, but also in the Islamic world and trying to help them that you would understand what is taking place. And we are not to be fooled. In fact, that's why God gives us uh, one-third of his word is about prophetic events that are going to happen in the future, and uh, we are to be wise and understanding of that, and that's how we understand why the world is acting as it is. Thank you, Sharam, for joining with us today. We're going to get back together again and talk about some of the things that you're doing in your ministry. But uh, quickly again, give us your website. TILproject.com for truth and love. Uh, TILproject.com. Jimmy, God bless you guys. Uh, love your ministry. Love your dad. And uh, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Sharon. Well, we're going to have to take a break. And when we come back, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and the Legacy Series right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr., and it's great to have you here with us again, along with my brother Rick. We are examining current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Rick, uh, we usually use this segment, and I'm looking forward to the Legacy Series coming up, but we have been using this segment in the past to talk to new partners uh, that go to our website. What are some of the things that they can do if they go to our website? Well, we do have a new website together, and there's lots of opportunity for you to get involved and to get engaged. For example, we have our daily devotions there. Now, you can go directly to the website and look at our daily devotion page, or you could sign up. If you sign up, put your email in the um, subscription box. You could sign up, and we'll send you our daily devotions every day. Uh, we also put up top 10 news stories, uh, just kind of what we're looking at and what we base the program on throughout the week. We put our audio programs. Also, Jimmy, we have a bookstore there. There's an opportunity if you would like to get some of our study materials, DVDs, books, CDs. We have that up there, and we're going to be adding more materials to that bookstore in the coming weeks, so you could take a look at that, and we'd love for you to—that's one way that you can support our ministry, and another way you could support our ministry there is there's an opportunity to donate to the ministry, to keep the ministry of prophecy today going, and to allow us to continue to update the Christian community on current events and what's taking place in the world and how it is setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. Sure is, Rick, and that's so very important. Uh, 
we like to look at ourselves as truth tellers. We're telling the truth. We're helping people to understand uh, churches, uh, uh, pastors, the lay person, everyone to understand what's going on. And we just make this available and we'd ask you to help us continue that. Well, over the last several weeks, we have been studying about the future with our legacy series with Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and what God's word tells us will happen. We've been studying Bible prophecy, and this week we're going to study the book of Ezekiel found in the Old Testament. But before we begin our study on Ezekiel, we're going to review our previous studies on the keys to understanding God's plan for the future. And now here's Dr. Jimmy DeYoung with his review of keys to understanding God's plan. Just reminding you again as we go through these five keys to unlocking God's plan for the future. The first day we talked about the roadmap through eschatology, the rapture, the seven-year tribulation, the return, thousand-year millennial kingdom, the great white throne judgment, and then into eternity future. If indeed you're going to study Bible prophecy and come to some conclusions where God is in his time, you're going to have to understand this roadmap through eschatology. We understand that the rapture is the next event and there's nothing has to happen before it. No prophecy must be fulfilled. Every prophecy yet to be fulfilled will be fulfilled after the rapture of the church or someplace before it. Then we talked about focusing on the Jew and Jerusalem and that will be key to being able to know what God is doing in his time. On this roadmap through eschatology, you can place every single prophetic event that is yet to happen. And that will then enhance your understanding of exactly how we are in a, I believe, a time in history like never before when the Lord is about to return. We started then with Daniel, a timeline for the Gentile. Remember three members of the human family, Gentiles, Jews, and Christians. Each of those members of the human family have a timeline. For the Gentile, it's the book of Daniel. That begins the times of the Gentile world powers. And we looked at Daniel and four major chapters in Daniel, chapters 2, 7, 9, and 11. Chapter 2 talked about the Gentile world powers that would come into existence. The Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, and the Roman Empire, which has basically never been completed. According to Daniel chapter 7, is to reach out and cover and control the entire known world. And that is the revived Roman Empire, the ten toes of iron and clay over in chapter 2 of Daniel. Also, the ten horns of Daniel chapter 7 and verse 7, as it talks about a unit that would be of some type, 10 kingdoms, 10 regions, 10 nations, whatever, that would make up the revived Roman Empire. And that yet to come to power. And then after that, there will arise one, the little horn, Daniel uh, chapter 7 and verse 8. That's his name in Daniel 7. In Daniel 9, he's the prince that shall come, verse 26. In chapter 11, verse 36, he's the willful king. Jesus called him the false Messiah. Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2 called him the wicked one, the man of sin, the son of perdition. In Revelation, John the Revelator called him the beast out of the sea. And that word beast used 42 times after chapter 13, verse 1 in Revelation, which lays out the activities of the Antichrist, which that is his name given in 1 John chapter 2. 
Uh, the Bible tells us that this man, Revelation 13, a man that Satan selects will be energized by Satan. He will receive his power and his seat of authority from Satan himself. And he will be used to cause the world to fall under his leadership. In chapter 17 of the book of Revelation, it says we have five Gentile world powers already. That would be the Egyptian, the Assyrian, the Babylonian, the Grecian, and uh, excuse me, the Medo-Persian and the Grecian. And then he said there's a sixth, the Roman, and a seventh yet to come, the revived Roman Empire. And out of that seventh come the eighth, which is made up of the seventh, and that's the Antichrist and his rule during this seven-year period of time. The Satanic Trinity will be the major player, and that's Daniel uh, chapter uh, 9, verse 27. Jesus gave a lot of information as well about those days. He said in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4, 5, 11, and 24, that the number one sign, you might remember Jesus in Matthew 24, it was Monday afternoon of the Passion Week, and after teaching on the Temple Mount, he left and he went to the Mount of Olives, and he delivered his famous Olivet Discourse. And they asked him, would you give us some signs of your coming? Uh, by the way, I've told you that Matthew 24 does not deal with Christians. It's dealing with Jews and Gentiles. It's interesting to note that the Jews require a sign, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. And they will receive those signs which Jesus gave them. And he said the number one sign is deception. He uses that word deception four times in Matthew 24, verses 4, 5, 11, and 24. In fact, in verse 24, he says the way that that deception will be communicated is through signs, wonders, and miracles. And we must be aware of the fact that that is a lead up to the appearance of Antichrist. Signs, wonders, and miracles. We have a proliferation of signs, wonders, and miracles today. If you don't believe that, just go on any so-called Christian television network station on your television, and you'll see a proliferation of signs, wonders, and miracles. The other day I was at the house, I was doing the godly thing. <clears throat> Judy and I were there home for just a day, and I had the clicker in my hand, and I was controlling the surfing through the channels. And we came to one of these so-called Christian television networks. If I told you the man's name, you'd recognize it immediately. But here's what he said. He said, do you have a dead loved one at your house? Roll their casket into the living room up beside the television. Turn on this television Christian network. Lift the hand of your dead loved one out of the casket. Put it on the television. They'll be resurrected from the dead. That's a lie from the pit. And we get so involved. So many Christians are duped by these things that they see. You, you, you're probably maybe thinking, Dr. DeYoung, don't you think that Jesus can perform a miracle? Listen, I believe Jesus can do whatever he wants to. I don't tell him what he does and what he doesn't do. I tell you what he says. He said deception through signs, wonders, and miracles. Chapter 13 of the book of Revelation. They will use signs, wonders, and miracles to cause the world to worship the Antichrist. Chapter 16, verse 13. Satan, Antichrist, and false prophet will use signs, wonders, and miracles to gather the people at Jerusalem for that campaign of Armageddon. And so it is throughout all of the scriptures in prophetic passages, you'll see signs, wonders, and miracles are a lead up. And that's what Jesus was talking about. And that prepares the way for the Antichrist. 
Today we come to the second member of the human family, and that would be the Jewish people. And God has an end-time scenario, a timeline for the Jewish people as well, and that's found in the book of Ezekiel. So if you will, go with me to the book of Ezekiel. This is a time when Ezekiel is going to be, after having studied for 28 years and become qualified as a priest, chapter 1 of the book of Ezekiel says that Ezekiel is 30 years of age. That's the age when a Jewish young man will become a priest. Ezekiel, we know, is a priest. He is also a prophet. There are several other men who were prophets as well as priests. Jeremiah and Zechariah were both priests and prophets as well. God uniquely chooses people to do what he wants them to do with their background many, many times so that he can accomplish what he wants. We're going to see in the end that in chapters 40 to 46, 202 verses, Ezekiel is going to lay out the coming temple for the Messiah. Messiah's temple or the millennial temple. And he has selected the man who would be best to do that, the prophet priest Ezekiel. When we start the passage, though, start the study of Ezekiel, he is not yet a prophet He is a priest, and he's going to be taken out of the land of Israel into the Babylonian captivity. Daniel in 605 B.C. was taken into the Babylonian captivity. 597 B.C. is when Ezekiel is going to be taken out into the Babylonian captivity. And he's going to be taken to a place called Tel Aviv. That's not the Tel Aviv that we know in Israel. This one is in the area, the region of Babylon. It's on the Chabar River, and it's a tributary off the Euphrates River. And that's where Ezekiel and about 10,000 Jewish people are taken to uh, be in the captivity. It is at this time when God gives Ezekiel uh, the idea that he is going to be a prophet. Look at chapter 2, if you will, with me. Verse 3, And he said unto me, Son of man... I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me, even unto this very day. For they are an impudent children and stiff-hearted. By the way, that's not an anti-Semitic statement. I've used that term about the Jewish people, saying they are hard-headed, stiff-necked, and hard-hearted. That's what the Lord is telling to Ezekiel. These are an impudent people. They're going to be a people that rebel against you. Verse 5. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. And so God takes this man who's qualified to be a priest. He makes him a prophet. He sends him to his own people, a rebellious, hard-headed, stiff-necked, hard-hearted people, a people that are going to mock Ezekiel every time he tries to bring some judgment or reveal, communicate to them some judgment of some type. In chapter 3, he makes him a watchman as well. Look at verse 17. Son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Now, in biblical times, a watchman was one who would stand up on the wall of the city. And every city had a wall. That was their line of defense. Every one of these walled cities would have a watchman that would walk and look out across the horizon to see if there was an approaching enemy. Should there be an enemy approaching, he would quickly turn around and 
yell at the people, announce there is an incoming danger of some type. Well, God has a plan for, I think, not only Ezekiel, but many of us, all of us, in fact, should be a watchman. Again, look at verse 17 and see what a watchman does. Son of man, and by the way, that phrase, son of man, is used a number of times in Ezekiel. It's God's favorite name for Ezekiel. The only other time that phrase is used in the Bible is in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and once over in the book of Revelation. And that was the name for Jesus Christ. So this is how much Ezekiel was endeared to God the Father. Son of man, uh, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. The watchman will hear the word from God. Hear exactly what God wants to be communicated and warn the people. If anything, I guess my ministry would have to be that of a watchman. Endeavoring to study the prophetic word of God, looking at current events in light of the prophetic scenario found in God's word, and then warning the people of what is going to happen. That's exactly what God does to Ezekiel. Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, you know what? We all have the responsibility and the ability to be a watchman. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll take a look at the book right here on Prophecy Today Weekend. I'm Ruth Kramer with Mission Network News. Chaos engulfed the new parliament of Iraq on January 9. A Shia faction of the government rejects the results of last year's election. During the session, they claimed they had seats to pick the next prime minister. Shouting and even fistfights broke out. Yet, Samuel with Redemptive Stories says the absence of a functioning government hasn't stopped the gospel. In fact, many people have connected with local churches over social media. Ask God to work powerfully throughout the country. And it's worth it. That's what a Middle Eastern Christian told Pastor Breck Ladd during an E3 Partners mission trip. He met with several pastors and even had to be protected by a large security force during the event. Yet Ladd watched these pastors sing with utter joy in their hearts. He says going on trips like this challenges Western Christians to focus on Jesus. You too can join an E3 Partners mission trip and encourage isolated believers. Mission Network News, a service of One Way Ministries. I'm Ms. Kramer. Have you ever wanted to know more about God's plan for the future? Have you ever tried to understand prophetic passages in God's Word, like, say, the book of Revelation, and been frustrated at not being able to figure it out? Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's latest CD series, Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, will help you gain the ability to understand where to start in your study of prophecy and allow you to read God's Word in a new and exciting way. Understanding God's prophetic Word will allow you to live a pure and productive life until Jesus returns for the church. Keys will help you gain the tools you need to understand the end-time events as foretold in God's Word. Dr. DeYoung lays out a systematic approach to Bible prophecy for those who want to know God's plan for the future. Tracks included are A Roadmap Through the End Times, The Jew in Jerusalem, Daniel and the Antichrist, Ezekiel and Messiah's Temple, and Revelation and Babylon. To order your copy of Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's Keys for Unlocking God's Plan for the Future, visit our website at prophecytoday.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. I'm Jimmy DeYoung Jr. Along with my brother Rick, we examine current events in the light of God's prophetic word. And we also help the body of Christ to understand what's going on by looking at the prophetic passages. Now, I understand, Rick, you know, if you get a hundred prophecy teachers in a room, you're going to have really a different look as to how things are going to play out in Bible prophecy. But maybe 
everybody falls in line on the three remaining events of Bible prophecy, which would be the rapture, the tribulation period, of course, that seven-year period of time, then the second coming or the return of Jesus Christ at the end of that seven-year period of time. Then you have a a millennial period, which is a thousand-year period of time, and that's the period of time when Jesus Christ will rule and reign on the earth, and then the great white throne judgment. So, you know, basically all these prophecy teachers have the three main events that are lined up. But in between there, <laughs> there's a lot of the ways that things shake down. And again, studying God's word helps us to understand what really will take place after the rapture of the church. Do you agree with that? Yes, Jimmy, I definitely agree. I mean, the events that are going to take place in the future were described in such detail. And it's interesting, the the events that took place in the past were described in such detail as well. So we look at the events that are going to take place. We can do that by studying the Word and studying prophecy, which is one-third of the Bible, and we're looking at these prophecies that are going to take place, taking a look at how those events are prophesied to happen and how current events are shaping up to allow them to happen in the exact same way gives us a lot of confidence in what we're studying and what's going to take place in the future. Yes, and that's why we do prophecy conferences. We go to churches. As a matter of fact, I'll be in Fruitland Park, Florida this weekend, and where I'll be teaching a four-day conference on Bible prophecy. If you're in that area, we'd love to have you come to the church there to be with us in Fruitland Park, uh, Florida, Calvary Baptist Church, and that would be great uh, the services on Sunday and Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night. But Rick, as we do this this weekend, our broadcast partners brought to the table many aspects of these events that you've talked about that are setting up for events that take place in the future. Let's go through some of those and talk about them. Well, we started off with Ken Timmerman, and of course, Russia has been in the news with the situation in Kazakhstan and then the situation in the Ukraine. Uh, Russia is very prominent. I know the Uh, At the end of the Soviet Union, people thought uh, Russia might slide or slip away or their power may wane, but it looks like Putin and Russia are continuing to be influential in the world scene, and that is something that we find in Scripture as well. That's what Scripture says is going to take place. Yes, and we've talked about this from week to week. Vladimir Putin would be ex- uh, probably the personality of Ezekiel 38. Of, he would be Gog of Gog and Magog, and he definitely has a plan at this point in time in which he wants to see Russia to come back to power, and we do see this conflict that's, that's uh, very well laid out in Ezekiel 38, and we have talked about that um, over and over, but again, it's always in the news, and uh, its role uh, not only with uh, NATO, but the European Union, and uh, exerting its power and its, uh, its might, along with China, they're making a they're making a move uh, to become the powers of the world and the leaders of the free world. Another interesting story, and probably the most interesting story we heard from Dave Dolan today was the story of the tree planting and the Negev, and lots of uh, political reasons why that story is interesting and how it might affect the Israeli political situation as it is right now. It might affect it drastically, <laughs> but what was even more interesting is that at the root of the whole problem, it is who does that land belong to? And uh, we know what Scripture says, um, but it's just it's just a very interesting story with so many different uh, 
facets and so many different angles. Yes. You know, we've always been there. Maybe there are those that are listening to this broadcast that have been there and have planted trees before in in Israel and the nation and helped in this project to re uh, to bring the deserts back to bloom, to bring it alive again and uh, to bring these trees and but it's interesting how this very small little project could bring down the government. We also talked to uh, Rich Schmidt, and he talks a little bit about what's taking place in American cities and our communities, which most of this uh, this radio program is heard on, and uh, that's a very concerning subject. Yes. Rich talked about the rehabilitation process, and really, it's only through uh, Jesus Christ that we that any of us are rehabilitated and can have eternal life. And so, you know, government practices aside, all of that, it is setting up for a lawlessness to take place and that the, our cities are quickly going that direction. And that is one of the signs that's talked about in Matthew chapter 24 uh, towards for the end times. R.C. Murrow, our good friend, he uh, brought us some very interesting information on something that we are hearing a lot about in the news nowadays and the uh, the problems that America is having with and the world basically is having with the supply chain. Yes, certainly setting up for a crash of the economic system of the world, not only the United States, but worldwide. And that is setting the scene, not only in a time of famine and um, the economic downfall, but to establish the mark of the beast. And that takes place at the midway point of the tribulation period. Our final guest interview that we had, Sharam Hadian from Iran, and he brings such an interesting perspective. And I think one of the things that is most interesting to me is that we think from our Western kind of Judeo-Christian mindset, whereas he he gives us insight into how the Islamic world views the situations that are taking place, not only in uh, the entire world, but uh, specifically in the Middle East, and specifically as it relates to the nation, the country of Israel. Yes, uh, he sure does. And that's one of the reasons why I had him on, because he can look at it and he can give us the exact information as to why the Islamic world is doing what they're doing. And that is setting up very quickly for a conflict, as Ken talked about, David Dolan talked about, uh, Shram talked about. Yes, we are on the edge of a major conflict happening in our world. And that's why we examine all of these current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Well, Rick, our time is up this week. Uh, thank you for joining with me and for doing the program. And we're looking forward to next week to be able to continue examining current events in the light of God's prophetic word. Jimmy, I look forward to being here next week as well and to talking with you again. Well, with everything that's happening in our world, as we keep an eye on it, we know that the rapture of the church could happen today. Let's keep looking up until... Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. Prophecy Today is a listener-supported production of Shofar Communications in Chattanooga, Tennessee.